0: great to see you again today how are you
1: hi mark i'm well how are you hi everyone
0: okay my sound system's not working so well i can hear you now okay
1: we can hear you loud and clear
0: beautiful and i can hear you well welcome everyone to estate and succession mastery for wednesday our regular wednesday 4 p.m session so thanks for joining us again today we've got a great uh, Great topic today, we've been talking a lot, uh, you know, obviously in regard to rural issues, but in regard to the whole estate and succession planning. And uh, today we thought we'd, we'd cover off on a topic that we were discussing with a client yesterday in regard to uh, just two absolutely unrelated business owners being in a business together, and that can happen in rural areas as well as in uh, uh, in the towns. And um, just all the issues regarding buy, sell, insurance, asset protection, funding, and and all those sorts of things for people in business together. So um, do you want to, now, are you going to have to use your hands the way you did yesterday, or or have you got a whiteboard or something?
1: (laughs) I was doing lots of actions yesterday, wasn't I? I was like a puppeteer, (laughs) but uh, we'll see. Actually, I probably will have to. Um, So (laughs) it's been interesting because this topic's come up quite a bit in the last um, few weeks in particular with, clients who are business partners in the circumstance we were talking yesterday in a company uh, they're professionals and good friends and it's been that way for a while um, and everything's going well so it was interesting talking about um while everything's going well to you know what to address now to make sure things continue to go well because it's always good to set up these structures now while everyone's communicating and talking. There we go, communicating.
0: We've (laughs) done (laughs) it. We've done every session. (laughs) But, But, Anita, if I can jump in there, I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, I was laughing to myself as you were talking about this yesterday, but it's no different to a marriage. It's exactly the same thing. You've got two people in a relationship, a business relationship. They're all chatting, and, I mean, that's the time you do the prenuptials or the, whatever the other word is you call that these days. Um, and it's the same in a business relationship, you know, everything's going along swimmingly, but you're planning for if, if the time comes when something goes wrong,
1: that's right. And we're also planning for, um, things that might happen. It might, it might not be bad. So for example, if down the track due to some personal circumstances, um, a, a business partner wants to exit the business, and the partners may still be on completely good terms. So it's not only to plan for things to go bad, it's also to plan for life's circumstances, I guess, down the track.
0: Or um, someone might want to retire, for example.
1: That's right, yeah. Or uh, want to leave, win the lot, I leave and travel around the world or something like that. So, the babies. Could All be, that stuff. Yeah, that's right. So it doesn't need to be a bust up or anything bad. Um, it's just a good idea to put these sort of uh, agreements and, and communications and structures in place now so everyone knows where they stand going forward.
0: Yeah, good good point. I've, I've actually minimised myself and I've made you the focus of the screen, yeah. You can talk about, you know...
1: I can do my um, puppet show. I can do your
0: puppet show
1: again today. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, 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 why don't I jump into the puppet show? So we spoke we, we spoke about two well, we want to speak about two topics today in particular. And the first one is asset protection and structuring your um, your business so that you maximize your asset protection. And this is where my puppeteering comes in. So um sometimes what we'll see is uh, a client or clients who have started a business so they've started a company or it might be a trust um, and they're trading out of that company or trust there i start there i go and uh, using the same entity the same company or trust they start buying property where the business might operate from or planting equipment that the business might use and all of these assets are in the same company the risk or the issue there is that if in the course of business the business is sued, for example, so there could be a workplace health and safety accident, um, there could be some directors liability for something. So if, if the business is sued and litigation ensues, then the assets that have been purchased in that, in that entity, in that company all of a sudden become exposed and can potentially be lost. The second thing is if uh, the business gets into financial difficulty, and we've seen at the moment with um, COVID and the recession, sort of, and all those sort of circumstances going on around the world, how um, these things can happen through no one's fault. So, if the business gets into financial difficulty and experiences insolvency, then again, all those assets that are in that company or that, that trust, that entity, uh, may be lost. So that yeah, is the danger.
0: That, that that could apply to a partnership as well, couldn't it? It's not yes. just about companies and trusts. Yep.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Companies, trusts, partnerships. Correct. So what we and uh, accountants um, alike prefer to see is a structure where the, this is this is where my puppet puppet hands are going to come out, where we have the business operating out of this entity, but the assets being owned <laughs> in this entity and this entity might lease the assets so lease the property rent the property or lease the plant and equipment uh and what that means is if the business gets into difficulty as i just said and goes down the assets are still sitting here safe in this entity so by having them in two separate entities they um it provides that asset protection
0: but that that applies uh certainly in rural businesses and so on as well doesn't it you know people you know, yeah, in an ideal situation, you own the land in one entity, and you own the the, the trading company, the business uh, in another entity. In an ideal situation, because that's really useful from a uh, succession planning point of view, and so on too, isn't
1: it? Yes, absolutely. So the the ideal structure there, with respect to that that rural example, is is as you said to have um, the the property and, of course, significant plant and equipment. In some circumstances, in a different entity to the entity that. Trades and that is the the business. Yep. Um, yep. So, I, I suppose if you've started already and you you only have that one entity and haven't put this structure in place uh, right at the beginning, there's still ways to um, rectify the situation. And the easiest yep. the easiest thing to do would be with my little puppet hands. But get it right here, yes. Yeah, is you're
0: doing a great job.
1: It's just to transfer the assets over to a new um, company or entity. But there is an issue there, and that is that could trigger CGT, capital gains tax implications, or stamp duty implications. So usually that is an impediment due to um, the cost of doing that. Uh, so that is sort of a situation where, where you need to get advice from your accountant, where we would involve an accountant and see what those sort of effects are. Um, maybe another solution would be if you intend to uh, buy future assets, like future property or future planet equipment or future stock, then you'd start buying them in a new entity. So set up a new entity and, and start using that one to buy the assets and slowly drain the other assets out of the trading entity. So there's, there's different ways we can address this, but um, probably the top tips are, one, get the structure right at the very beginning And then, two, if you can identify that this is an issue for you and your business and your business partner, then get some advice around the best way to deal with it going forward so you minimise that risk that I spoke of.
0: Hmm. And this is just as important for families as it is for people that are in separate families too. If you end up uh, whilst... You know we can all have good intentions and and suggest to parents never to put their kids in the same business together give everyone something in see i can do it too to give them uh, something independent uh there are times when children can end up even when mum and dad are still around can end up with a share uh you know shares in the business or in the partnership or trust whatever and and sometimes you need to put rules around that too don't you in regard to um, you know, behaviour, holidays, all those sorts of things, dispute resolution, yeah. uh, how one can sell to the other, and first right of reply, of refusal, and and all those yeah. sorts of things. Which is moving on from what you're talking about, but uh, but part of the conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and um, we'll talk in a moment about shareholders' agreements and the like. Um, but certainly, having that that sort of Uh, structure in place that we spoke of can help with the succession planning if there's multiple children and you might have uh, a succession plan which involves different assets going to different people or different children for example that can assist and it also um, not necessarily in a business ownership environment but if you have one spouse that is a, a in their own business or a director for example and you have one spouse that isn't then there's opportunities there to um, maximise your asset protection by putting the assets into the spouse's name that isn't in risky business. Um, But always important to get appropriate advice around all of that because uh, with that, again, becomes certain um, CGT and and duty implications. So um, there's lots to it and it's just about getting the structure right, either right from the beginning or if it's no longer at the beginning, getting the right, um, getting the options and choosing the, the best advice going forward.
0: Yeah, and communication.
1: Of course. We love we love a bit of communication. It goes with everything, doesn't it?
0: That's right. What would you like with that? I'll have some communication <laughs> <laughs> on the side. Absolutely. Okay, so one of the next things which we've preempted, Juanita, uh, is um, agreements in regard to putting some rules around two parts, and one is... a. Uh, a shareholders or a unit holders, whatever agreement mm. or partners' agreement. And um, and the second part is having a buy-sell agreement so that there's rules around what happens either when people die uh, or when they want to um, sell out for whatever reason. So yeah. let, let's start with the uh, shareholders' agreement. I think, you know, we we talked about this yesterday, but probably the ideal is to have these separate, isn't it? Have the shareholders' agreement... Stand alone because that's really about rules and how you conduct yourself, yep. and take holidays and pay yourselves or whatever. And the, the buy-sell agreement is something separate. So let's let's break them into two for today's. Purpose.
1: Sure. So we'll talk about the shareholders agreement, and I suppose even though a shareholders agreement is particular to a company, a PTWLD situation, um, don't tune out if you don't have a company because the concepts are still applicable to whatever structure you have for your business. So you might have a trust, and so, you know, you need to deal with things in a, in a trust deed, or you might have a partnership, and you might have a partnership agreement. So the same concepts will apply, but today we're going to use the terminology shareholder's agreement. Uh, so,
0: so, um, <laughs> You're not and, using your hands, <laughs>
1: A share, wow, you just like jumped back into our screen there. <laughs> a, a shareholder's agreement as is, is, as the name suggests, an agreement between the, diff, the the respective shareholders in the company. So it could be one, well, it wouldn't be one. If it could be two or could be three, it depends who the shareholders are. Um, and I'll run through uh, the type of things that we see in a shareholder's agreement. So, um, first of all, an example would be uh, a clause about how the funding of the company will occur. So if additional funds need to be put in to the company, who will do that in what proportions, et cetera, will it be even split, et cetera, et cetera. And look, these are just all things that should be t- spoken about between the business partners as a starting point, just to make sure that, you know, everyone's clear on the same page. Um, sure. Administration and decision-making. So uh, are there certain really important decisions that you feel should be unanimous? And are there other decisions that don't need to be unanimous? Uh, so if there are certain decisions which may you know apply to over a certain amount of money, for example, um, you might put in the shareholders' agreement that the decision needs to be by unanimous resolution of the shareholders. Um, a good point there, though, is what if there's two shareholders? And you both disagree and you have a deadlock, then you're never going to get anywhere. So there needs to be a uh, 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 mechanism in the agreement which deals with, sets out how you will deal with uh, decisions in which you are deadlocked because that can be a real killer for a business or for a company, what happens then. Sure. Uh, another really important part of the shareholders' agreement is what happens if someone wants to exit? So uh, if you and I were uh, shareholders in a company, Mark, and I decided I wanted to leave, then what is the process for that? So, for example, do I have to give you notice of that and and how much notice? And do I have to give you the first right to buy my shares? Because for you, you may not want to be dealing with a random third party if I just trot off down to the corner shop and sell my shares. So we'll often see a first right of refusal, which means I have to offer you... The shares first, and then if you don't want to buy them, then I can sell them to a third party. So it sets out that process that has to happen if one party wants to sell their shares. Uh, It also deals with how the shares are to be valued. So what is it worth? You know, what 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 is the sale price? And to do that, there's uh, different ways. Uh, And so another reason why it's a good idea to have that agreed upon early and documented so you don't get into a fight about that later so for example the shares could be um, uh, valued by a valuer They could be set by your accountant Uh, it could just be what the market says at the moment so um, there's a few different ways to do that which should be set out in the agreement. Um, I guess following on from that um, also what we'd see in the agreement is how that all happened uh, I, uh, am I boring you, Mark? <laughs>
0: no, <it's just laughs> I was just on the face. That's all.
1: <laughs> um,
0: just pulling this um, data.
1: So, when you come to an agreement, what will the process be? So, you know, who fills out the forms and lodges them with ASIC? What will be the payment terms, etc., um, etc.? Cetera, et cetera. Um, another thing that needs to be considered is that uh, I, what happens if I die or I'm in an accident and I can no longer work in the business? Um, what happens to my shares then? How will they be dealt with and how will you handle what's left behind? And that relates a little bit to the buy-sell agreement, which we're going to talk about shortly. Um, Probably the final couple of more things that I'd say we'd address in a shareholder's agreement would be restraint of trade. So if I leave and sell you my shares, Mark, is it okay if I open up around the corner? So, you know, that's something that should be set out right at the start so we don't have that barney once I sell you my shares?
0: Yeah, prob- probably not not what I'd want to happen.
1: No, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, and then finally, if if the shareholders have a dispute, so if there is an argument about something, how is that resolved? So what is the process uh, to resolve that? Um, is there compulsory negotiation or, or mediation before a court process has begun? Uh, so... Um, it sets out those sort of steps to be followed. So they're all examples of things that need to be um, addressed and really should be spoken about up front between business partners because it, it makes sure everyone's on the same page and it uh, resolves problems before they happen, I guess. Absolutely.
0: I thought you were doing a Joe Biden there, reading notes off the teleprompter.
1: And, uh... <laughs> I don't have a teleprompter. <laughs> I, I've got my little, my little shareholders tick box here, but I have no teleprompter.
0: very good okay well this this leads perfectly into the next area which is uh, buy-sell agreements and then after that we'll talk about funding of buy-sell agreements in uh, in in some of the forms anyway yeah let's uh, and and you you raised a good example there before is that uh, uh, you know I remember in my uh, earlier days in my life with in the life insurance business know we used to talk to people and say you know how would you like to be in business with your partner's wife's next husband Mm. Uh, solicitor, or or other well-meaning friend meaning you know two people who are in business together are normally good mates or they they, you know they have complementary skills but they're usually mates that have decided to go into business together and uh, you know chances are if one dies the remaining person's in partnership effectively by default with the spouse of the person was in business with now Mm. uh, that doesn't always work and and the spouse may then sometimes go along and and get some advisor who's going to clash with the remaining owner and and so on so this is why it's so important to uh to make sure if somebody dies uh in regard to the buy sell agreement and not just on death but certainly in regard to death that is a very definite process for people to follow to uh to allow whoever's left behind to maintain the business and, uh, and and not end up being forced to be in partnership with someone they really just don't want to be in partnership with.
1: That's exactly right. And and the way that that scenario, <clears throat> excuse me, the way that scenario may happen is that again, if Mark and I are in business and I quite normally leave my estate in my will everything to my husband, then everything also includes my shares in the business. Hmm. Um, so, if I die and my husband receives all of my estate, all of a sudden he's got the shares in the business that I had with Mark and Mark. And I is haven't there.
0: even met him yet.
1: <laughs> he's lovely. He's lovely. <laughs> However, you, you, I don't know if he would know much about the business we were in if we were in a business, and that's the problem. So, um, a you, you know, people might not get on to start with and be able to do business together, and um b the surviving spouse might have absolutely no idea about the business that's been left behind but all of a sudden they're a shareholder so yeah. the way hmm. so the way that we um can deal with this is as well as addressing that to some extent in the shareholders agreement is a buy sale agreement and probably I'll, I'll just go the next step um uh, we, we're trying to create the ability for the partner that wants to the business partner wants to continue to buy out the other partner. That's probably where we, we should point out the, the aim of this of this buy sell agreement. So um, the way that it works is that um, Mark and I have the business. We uh, take out an insurance policy on my life or it could be on, on both life, but we're using me as an example. If I die, then the business can cash in that policy. So now Mark has control. Here I am with my puppeteer <laughs> again. That's
0: why you got the big screen going on.
1: <laughs> now Mark has access to cash, which has been created by that uh, insurance policy. And instead of being in partner in business partnership with my husband, he can now buy my, my husband out, so buy those shares that my husband's inherited. And mm. the, the, that can work beautifully because now um, Mark is the, you know, He's the master of what goes forward, that so he can control the business future. And my husband, he's got no interest in being in a business that he doesn't um, know about, can exit um, and and take the proceeds, take the cash. Yeah, that
0: he's, he's got the cash.
1: Out. So everyone's happy. So, um, uh, so the way we do that usually is with the buy-sell agreement being connected to an insurance policy. It doesn't mm. have to be. So if Mark's got a lot of, um, in that scenario, if Mark had a lot of money... Um, set to the side or separate to that, that he was able to buy my husband out, then that's okay too. But often um, that isn't the case. And therefore that's where the insurance policy comes in. Yep. Uh, as well as the circumstance that we just gave, if I die, the other circumstance might be if I'm in a, a bad accident. So if I no longer can work in the business and there may not be the possibility for me to work uh, in the future. So again, again, Ideally, Mark may want to buy out my shares, so I can get on with my life here without the burden of the business, and Mark can move on with the business um, and take that forward. So uh, that's why insurance policies will also often entail um, a total and permanent, uh, total and permanent insurance factor and a this trauma. Factor so yeah. TPD is the terminology that most people would know. So if something like that happens to me, again, the business can cash in on that policy and use those proceeds to pay, to buy my shares and carry on.
0: Yeah. But we don't always have to kill you off or make you disabled. I can, I can take it every now and again. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. You're next. You're next up. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: No, that's fine. So um, uh, that, that's the case if there's a disability, there's a death, there's a, a trauma in one of layman's terms these days, you know, heart attack, cancer stroke, those, those sorts of things where it, using the insurance option for funding allows people then to, to have the cash so that they can decide or they can, uh, you know, either one with put call options, one or the other can say, hey, look, you know, great having you here, but you're not what you used to be. You've got the money. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take the shares, you take the money and uh, and, you know, then I can, if it happened to you, I can then go and look for a new partner who uh you know doesn't uh have the restrictions that you might have if you've been through a trauma or a total disability or or something like that, but the bottom line is it's all about certainty isn't it for uh, for uh for and it can work either way I mean you know when two partners come together and and do these sorts of things uh, you know they always think it's going to be the other guy that gets sick or or dies, and everything is going to happen to themselves, but it creates certainty for the families it creates certainty for the person left behind so it's it's just a really neat way, and it's just so important because, you know, she said otherwise. Uh, you know, if something happened to me, you know, you could be in partnership with my lawyer or something like that. Tom,
1: mm-hmm. you, might,
0: you might have to work with Tom for a while. <laughs> but um, I say so, nothing
1: in case Tom is watching.
0: <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> I should have come up with a different example. But I mean, the whole the whole thing is about creating certainty uh, and confidence for. Uh, those that are left behind and it's such a simple thing to do in yeah. fact in my uh, in, you know in my uh, insurance days for many many years this is where i started but my bent towards succession planning and so on was uh, helping business owners get this sort of succession planning sorted so that there was always a uh, you know a, a certainty in regard to what was going to happen to the business and and a certainty in regard to making sure there was money there for the family because you know many times if you've got two people in business and uh, you know, if they're just scratching their way along with the business and, uh, you know, if one of them dies and the second one has to buy the business out, the bank may not lend them the money and, you know, the family may have to wait five, ten years before they get the real value of what the business was worth, which is, uh, you know, in, in itself can be a real tragedy. So, uh mm-hmm. you know, having, having agreements, having understanding and, and knowing what's coming up for people is just so important.
1: Absolutely. I, I,
0: I tried not to interrupt you when you were talking before because I know when you're on a roll, you know, I just I, I just stand back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Wish my husband knew that. No, just kidding. Um, so so I guess you know, even though we've spoken about uh use that terminology of shareholders, shareholding and shareholders' agreements and shares, et cetera, I think um if you the, the key takeaway is if you are in a business, whether that be in, in a company or a trust or a partnership, um, you should ask yourself. Have I got covered what will happen if I die, if I lose capacity due to an accident, or if I want to exit voluntarily? Um, yep. has my is my structure and do my documents deal with all those scenarios and if it doesn't, then you need to you need to get some advice.
0: yeah, and i mean the the truth is mostly these days they're putting call options, aren't they for i mean we we speak in the generic buy sell agreements and share purchase agreements, but uh, Many times these days they can be put in call options where one person can either put, one person can call. So there's a uh, there's certainly enough mechanisms there to make sure that everyone everyone is okay. Yes. So I think you've covered that very well. You've you've talked about the uh, asset protection around setting up the setting up the structures and where the assets are held and, and so on and separating the real estate from the uh, trading company trading business and and so on. Uh, we've talked about the, uh, uh, the, the shareholders' agreements in regard to what are the rules of engagement, so to speak, in regard to how you run a business with a with a partner, and uh, and also the buy sell agreement. Which I I'm a great believer that the shareholders and the buy sell put call options should be um, two separate documents, and, uh, and and so on. But I'm, whichever way you do it, just make sure you've you've got those things in place, and make sure there's lots of communication. It goes with that. so
1: Yeah, that's right. And I'd probably just add just to just as we finish up that I um, totally understand that for uh, businesses that are setting up and, you know, in the early stages, the budget is tight and, uh, you know, these are the sort of expenses that probably don't take priority. But uh, I can assure you from experience that I've seen when it unravels at the other end, it can cost, um, you know, 10... Thousands of times more than it would cost to put this in place at the start So if the budget allows it is um, it is almost a necessity
0: Yeah, which gets back to the whole estate and succession conversation doesn't it? I mean, you know if you can solve all this and make sure the kids are all uh, The beneficiaries understand what's going on in this harmony in the family if you can do that before you go It's cents in the dollar as to what it's going to cost you after the event and uh, the kids all Mm -hmm. start Having a blue. Hey, I'm just going to take if I may we need to please just take a minute to uh, Talk about uh, the the workshop. That's out at gun to uh yeah. next next Wednesday. So unfortunately uh, I may be finished by three. So I might be right by four o'clock to do this again next Wednesday but uh, yeah next Wednesday out of to is a uh, Succession planning workshop. They've got a, an accountant a solicitor. a uh, uh, some other people in the financial services areas and so on are coming along as guest speakers and uh, uh, I'm forgetting that that's rural financial resources or something are, are organizing this but it's a uh, 10 o'clock till 3 o'clock uh, next Wednesday at Gundawindi and uh, just have a look on Facebook, to have a look on my page if you want to and there's some uh, promotional material for that. So if you're out that way, uh, certainly recommend you come along. It's uh, uh, I'm, I'm running a two-hour session for free just in regard to getting started with your estate and succession plan so if you're kind of sitting on the fence and you're thinking about getting it started uh, there's no better price than free so uh, come along and take a take advantage of uh, that session next Wednesday at Cunder Wendy. so we once again thank you um, lots of pearls of wisdom and uh, thanks for the uh, the graphic diagrams of, of how you should set up your business and and how it should be held and so on. So until, um, <laughs> thanks again. And until next Wednesday at four o'clock after I race out of my session at Gundawindi, internet providing, I will uh, we'll see you all again next Wednesday.
1: Thanks, Vanita. Thanks, see back you. Thanks,
0: Mark. everyone. Bye.